This episode is brought to you by the following patrons. Amy, Odem Bones, Awesome Possum Blossom, Dylan, Matthew, William, Brandon, Dave, Scott, Tristan, Kate, Sasha, Isaac, Ori, Karun, Eddie, and Chris. And Chris and all the patrons want you to know that you're loved, you're listened to, and you are a valuable member of this awesome Horror Virgin family. And if you want to hang out with all of us, including Chris and the rest of the patrons, join the Facebook group. That is over 1,500 awesome Horror Virgin family members that interact daily. Check it out. Best version of Invisible Man, Chevy Chase. That's Memoirs of the Invisible Man, but we'll get to it because that's the movie I watched today. No! <laughs> no! <laughs> Eight minutes ago, laugh lock. Wait, what are we doing? We're trying to go clear, Mikey. <laughs> Zenu won't let us if you keep talking. Do you know who's really clear? No. The Invisible Man. (laughs) 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 Thank you for tuning into Horror Virgin. I'm Paige. I'm Mike. And I'm your Horror Virgin, Todd, which means I don't like scary movies, but you guys make me watch them. And this week, you guys made me watch Invisible Man. So have you guys seen this movie before today? Yes. Okay, Mikey, had you seen it? No, I was wa- I waited to watch this. Nice. Okay, Ooh. awesome. I know it came out earlier this year, and I mean, we talked about doing it earlier in the year, but for whatever reason, we couldn't. So, Paige, you have seen it before. Yeah. So what did you think about it when you first saw it? I wish I had been able to see it in theaters, because I saw it very early into quarantine, where we watched it at home. Yeah. Um, but I-, I thought it was very, very good. I think it's my favorite movie Lee Winnell has done. Wow, that's saying something, man. I mean, when I look at, like, Saw's a great concept, but I have some issues with execution. I think total package, you might be right, though. Like, as far as concept to end result of how good the movie is, yeah. So I had not seen this before. My middle brother was in town. He saw it, and and I told him we were doing this with the podcast. He's like, oh, I'll watch it. He's like, I want to watch it with you because I loved loved it. Oh, And so he watched it with me, and uh, we turned off all the lights. We kept the Christmas tree on. That's how you should watch this movie. Christmas tree on, lights off <laughs> with your brother. Mm-hmm. Super enjoyed it. I did. My husband and I watched it lights off, which does enhance it. But I feel like in a movie theater it would have been even scarier. Oh, uh, agreed. I agree, Paige. I wish I could have seen this in a theater because so much of the shots of this are done in the wide, like the wide shot. And it is to There's make you for feel. That. Yeah, it's to make you feel like, oh, my God, she is completely alone. And then. You know, he's there somewhere in all this space, right? So I understand why they did that, but to see that on the big screen and be able to really see, like, that knife grab off the kitchen counter, like, that shit would have been awesome to see in the theater. Yeah. And also, it probably would have been the last time we could have gone to the theater. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was going to see it. I was like, man, I'm going to see this in Sonic the Hitchhog. And then I didn't get around to it. So I think the last movie I saw in theater was Fantasy Island. Mm. So how did you feel about it watching it today, guys? Like, Paige, did you like it as much today? Still good. It it holds up, yeah. I've only seen it the one time, but I really, like, this movie sort of blew me away with how good it was. I do have one problem with it that we can talk about maybe at the end or as I we think get... you got to talk about it in the beginning, to be honest. Okay. Because I know, I know what you're referring to, and it's my biggest problem with the film as well. Yeah, so, I mean, really, it's just the casting. Like, you cannot have Elizabeth Moss in a movie about gaslighting. You cannot do that. Or anyone else that is in... A cult like Scientology or Blyambology or one that rhymes with it. I just I feel like <laughs> we didn't really get a lot from the Invisible Man's perspective, and I feel like he had a story to tell. <laughs> Boo! No, Un- unacceptable. I 
I will say, and, and this is a, a frustrating thing with me for everything Elizabeth Moss does, because I think she's wildly talented. She's so and I feel good. Like she's so good. And she's fantastic in this, and she's fantastic in Handmaid's Tale. But I also know so much about Scientology that I'm like, yep. literally the things you're describing that he did to you. The cult has done to people and continues to do to people. Yeah. And it's a huge problem for me in this movie. On cult podcasts, we talk about a lot of times how cults are just domestic abuse situations on a macro scale. Yeah. And this movie, more than anything, really drives that home. Because, like, you do have people in gold base or in the center for religious technology or at the base on sunset boulevard that are not allowed to leave and are not allowed to think their own thoughts or are in like fake prison for thought crime like (laughs) the fact that that is all existing and she's just like acting in this role there's a part of me that's like maybe she is accessing real feelings because she is a victim like as a member on some level she is a victim absolutely but it's so frustrating to just be like do you not see please run away do you need someone to pick you up i will pick you up i live down the street i'll I'll come get you and listen unlike emily i will drive away immediately i'm not gonna wait for l ron hubbard's ghost to punch in my window (laughs) (laughs) okay so this is peek behind the curtain there is a road that runs directly behind the scientology center on sunset so in the documentary going clear john travolta's personal scientology assistant escapes in the trunk of a car right in the trunk of a car via that road yeah where someone literally drove up she got in and drove away and now that road is constantly patrolled if i drive through that road at night there's no less than four patrols circling that road so like the fact that that exists the fact that that escape would no longer be possible because people are literally being held hostage that makes this movie really tough for me yeah like on a on a base level but then at the same time love mad men elizabeth moss is amazing <laughs> Uh, I think I agree with everything y'all are saying. I think I just had to come to terms with this uh, earlier when I really like Handmaid's Tale, and it's, like, way worse than this. Yeah. All right, so Scientology sucks. Elizabeth Moth is really good. She has a good, like, uh, uh, shit got fucked up look. Like, they can they can really make her shit look fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> that, I think what you're trying to say is she has a very down-to-earth appearance about her. She can either be completely gorgeous or she can look like the person at the grocery store who, you know, everything's gone wrong in their day. Beyond that, she'll like have like, she gets like the eyes and then she'll like shake a yeah. little bit and like yeah. she does good like I'm in trauma right now. Yeah, when she's locked away, man, those faces she makes are horrific. She's like, she's very, yeah. very good. I just don't want to see someone who's involved with an organization that does this type of shit to people in a movie about it. Yeah. That's my only problem with the movie, though. Thought the movie was great. Maybe we should get into it, though. Yeah, let's get into it. Yeah, because I have a question, because I like got a snack at one point, and I didn't understand how she knew the friend cop. Uh, it's the sister's friend. Everything makes more sense now. That's the only explanation we get. My thinking was, and I know we're getting ahead, but I, we don't get a ton of info about what the sister does for a living. My thinking was that the sister was involved in some sort of line of work where she would have known... 
James as a policeman. I thought she worked on some level with law enforcement, whether she was yeah. a detective herself or she was like in the uh, crime scene investigation side or stuff like that. She definitely looks like a DA. Oh, I yeah, think she, she is. I think she is a lawyer because at one point she's there helping to kind of manage the estate. That's right. She's representing her at the. Yeah. OK. Yeah. So I do Man. think she is a lawyer. Thank you guys for filling in all my plot holes before we even got into the movie. No worries. So. We open on Waves Against a Cliff, and these are our credits. Mini fun fact, Lee Winnell had the idea for these credits. It was like, it'll be super easy, and it was like the hardest CGI in the movie. Oh, yeah. It was cool. They were cool looking. I really, I literally leaned over to Natalie and said, that's a cool effect. Yeah, and apparently it was the most difficult thing they did in this movie, which is crazy. I don't know, man. A lot of these effects could be done like with like fishing lure. They are. <laughs> yeah. About no. 90% of this movie is practical effects. Yeah, that's which amazing. Which wild. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it looks way good. That's probably it oh. looks amazing. We cut to a house at the top of a cliff. Elizabeth Moss is asleep. Or is she? Dun dun dun. Also, that's a nice house. Would you leave him? Uh Mikey, yes. yes. Under these circumstances, yes. yes. That was a joke. I just want everybody to be clear. Uh <laughs> but it's a really nice view. But also, they're not married, right? They're just like boyfriend, girlfriend. Right. They are not married. It doesn't establish that they were married. I don't think they were because she says boyfriend. But for him to list her in the trust is tricky if they're not married. So he would have had to go through some legal loopholes to make that happen. Uh, he was a man who went through some legal loopholes. Yeah. Yeah. I only know this because the movie is set in California and my husband and I lived together before we were married and we were not able to get him insurance and things really? like that before we were married. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And, and I don't know if it's just our weird state loopholes, but like for a while, like when I signed on to my current job, they have life insurance policies and things on you. Yeah. And you have to sign on like who's going to be the recipient of that policy. It had to be my sister. Yeah. Until we got married. So that's interesting. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, that explains why she just got five million and not like his estate. Yeah, she would have got everything, probably. It would have depended on their prenuptial agreement if they had one. The house is the real star. Oh, yeah. The house is the breakout star of this movie for me. I want to go there. It's not a real house. Oh, I'm out. It's four different houses that they shot different sections of the house to make it look like one house. I want to be so rich that I buy those four houses and make a construction person put them all together to make. Okay, cool. Well, they're in Australia. How do you feel about spiders? I'm out. I will get it airlifted to here. Because <laughs> I'm that rich, Paige. I'm wearing a robe. <laughs> <laughs> That one of those things is true. Not the I'm that rich page. It's the I'm wearing right. a robe. It's the yeah. robe part. I'm not gonna lie to you guys. I got the, the coronavirus vaccine and I've been in a good fucking mood. <laughs> <laughs> I would be. It'd be nice if they had yeah. enough for everybody. It would be great. Yeah. So the clock on the side table says 3.42 a.m. Is dick o'clock. Is dick o'clock. <laughs> Oh, that's problematic with this couple right now in this movie because she like pulls the covers oh, no. back and his hand is like on her. It's so the, the whole opening sequence is so tense. I loved it. I don't know why it's not cock o'clock because that would rhyme because he's a total dick. Yeah, <laughs> it's escape the dick o'clock. Yeah, it's escape the dick o'clock. That's what it is. So she gets out of bed and she takes his hand off her waist because it is kind of wrapped around her. She gets up and reaches under the mattress where she retrieves a bottle of diazepam. She calls his name, no response. She walks to his side of the bed, lifts a glass and swirls it, revealing that there's powder settling at the bottom of the glass. Yeah. So he's been drugged. She quietly creeps out of the bedroom. He stirs, but goes back to sleep. 
He sort of just like turns over. Yeah. She makes her way to the bathroom where she sets the glass and the pill bottle down and dumps out all the water. She goes to the closet and retrieves a go bag that she's hidden with money and all of her important documents. She makes her way into the hallway where she redirects a security camera onto the bed and she walks into the lab where she then adjusts all the other security cameras so that that's the only one on. How do y'all feel about internal security cameras? Oh, I think that's a huge red flag. <laughs> Well, well, you know, some people outside of abusive relationships have them, but they can also be very much manipulated in an abusive relationship. But, like, yeah. I don't want cameras, even if I install them inside my house, pointed at things I'm doing. But some people have them in, like, their living room and stuff. They're hackable, which is why I don't super like them. I know people who, like, leave their dogs home all day sometimes yes. will have them. Yeah, that's actually the conversation I had with Natalie about it was, we were like, do we get one for the dogs? Because we got a bunch of ring cameras for outside our house. Yeah. And we were like, should we get some for inside the house? And I was like, I don't really like that. I don't care if someone hacks my ring doorbell. I do care if they hack like one of our like living room cams if we had one, you know? Yeah. So that's the reason I didn't get one. So I'm very against it. I mean, that's the reason Aaron Hernandez ended up being convicted basically was his internal camera system, which basically that's right. Him, yeah. Being guilty. Well, definitely don't dispose of the evidence in front of the internal cameras. Yeah, so she disables the alarm and she looks down to the end of the lab where it looks like the suit is missing. Or is it? Well, it's invisible, Paige. How would you know? That's just it. You you don't know in this scene. She accidentally walks into the dog's dog bowl. Oh, Zeus. Uh, on accident. Um, but Adrian doesn't stir. I know, because she calls out. She's like, Adrian! <laughs> and then she's running up the stairs to the apartment. And, okay. So we pan through the hallway, which looks pretty empty. Yeah. And she climbs down the stairs into the garage where Zeus follows her. Yes. She apologizes to Zeus and takes off the shock collar. That broke my heart. I mean, here's the thing. Adrian is a horrifyingly terrible person yeah. already. But then to also shock the dog, I was like, man. Yeah, I have had to say goodbye to a dog like that when I was like leaving a relationship quickly. And I had mm -hmm. adopted this dog with this person and like raised it for like three years. So it was like th that to me was like especially sad. I was like, oh, I miss Oliver. Yes, I've had yeah. the same experience with a child. Oh, Mikey. I know. So I took her shock collar off and I was like, <laughs> I don't oh can I keep that yes please keep that. <laughs> yeah keep that shit for me people want darker I'm going darker he says dressed as Hugh Hefner <laughs> <laughs> I feel comfortable but yeah like she takes the the shot collar off and then Zeus is loose man he runs out of there the Zeus is loose not before accidentally setting off one of the car yeah alarms. he didn't mean to he's a big baby he didn't mean to do it but like he like runs out of there when that collar's off I mean yeah. literally she's been planning this forever and already everything's going wrong with the dog bowl in the car yeah yeah well here's the thing I think it just goes to show how difficult it is for her to leave because yes. like this is it, it's a domestic abuse situation mm -hmm. absolutely it is and so many people find it really hard to leave and i would say this is almost like she has a support system she has somebody willing to pick her up she doesn't have children to try and take with her you know she is capable and physically able to move enough to leave it's almost like most situations don't even have that and it's still that hard for her to leave like she's almost imprisoned here yeah 
So domestic violence situations, my work with the police that they've taught me is that they always go with two officers because statistically those are the most violent calls they respond to. Oh, yeah, man. It does not surprise me. It's made, like more likely for someone to get killed, an officer to get killed, or a person to get killed in one of those calls yeah. than any other calls they respond to. Jeez. Yeah. Well, and it's very clear that she knows what she's dealing with here. Yeah. Uh, and I love that the intro to this is so good, or the beginning of this movie is so good, because you immediately know the stakes and no one has said anything to you. Yeah. It is just you watching her yeah. try to like get out of there. And it's very clear, like she has planned every bit of this very meticulously. And the only thing that goes awry is Zeus, both running into the bowl and then when she's trying yeah. to save him on some level by letting him go. Yeah, He bumps into the car and the car alarm goes off And that's what starts the cavalcade of bad things happening Where she like runs to the fence, climbs over the fence But you see him waking up And then yeah. obviously he's after her at that point only, Yeah, so she's only got literally a couple seconds yes. lead on him at that point yeah. So she runs down the hill to the wall Gets over the wall uh, And runs out across these hills Through the hills, down through trees to the woods So like they're not close to the road necessarily No, no, no He's rich. Yeah. Uh, she gets to the road and she's waiting on her driver who's not there yet, but she can also hear creaking in the branches. So she knows that he is not far behind her. Shit. This was so tense, man. It was so tense. It's so tense. Uh, headlights appear on the road. She looks from the car to the trees, hoping to make it inside the car in time. She climbs in, but drops the pill bottle. She tries to tell her sister to basically drive as fast as she can and leave. Ugh. But before her sister can get it into drive, Adrian punches through the window. Dude, him running up to the car and like hitting the car, not before he even yeah. punches it, like that scared me. Like it terrifying. was yeah. terrifying. It drove me insane that she didn't just leave immediately when uh, Cecilia was like, drive, drive. She's like, what's going on? I don't even know why I'm here yet. <laughs> you need to explain everything to me. And she's like, just fucking drive. And then he like, runs up and hits the car with his body because he's running so fucking fast and then right. she's like fuck and she's trying to get it in gear and he punches through the window it was oh right. it was so scary so this establishes that adrian's pretty much the worst yes <laughs> <laughs> I, I think something this movie does really really well is that they don't make a spectacle of her abuse no if that makes yeah. sense we only hear a couple sentences about it but we're not going to dwell on what he did we just know that it's bad by how affected she is we're not going to sit and dwell on what happened to her right yeah and most people believe her you know, and that's good until the end. Yeah. Well, until, well, I mean, they believe her until he kills himself, quote unquote. This the pacing of this movie is really good. It and is. it, and it show, like Todd says, it shows and doesn't tell a lot. Yeah. And, I, yeah. and I, I feel like it did the perfect amount of time of like us and her not wondering if it was real or not. And then going to like the third act. I, I mm -hmm. feel like you could have got caught up if that went too long. You could have had some issues there. But I feel like it was all perfectly timed where you like just he was me messing with her just the amount of time. And then like the third act was like great. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I honestly think this intro does a great job of setting the stakes. Oh, yeah. So high. And you don't have to see her get abused in the beginning to understand that she's in a bad situation. Like, yeah. you know that because the way she's acting, leaving the situation. I love the way they did that. I think they did a great, great job. I think this movie does a wonderful job of demonstrating the severity and the just terror of abuse 
without fetishizing it, if that makes sense. Yeah, because absolutely. I, you know, if you think about like hostile, you're going to see the whole thing. That's not what this movie is. This is the complete opposite. I was about to say, this is like you see the effects of the torture without the torture porn part of it. Yeah. And I respect that so much. Well, and then also it's been done before where like you see a couple in public, they're tense, and then you have to watch all of these scenes play out where like the abuse slowly comes up and then like all of her friends doubted her and all that stuff and I'm, I'm glad we skip all of that yeah you know what i mean because right. it's, it's been done and i don't really like how it's been done you know yeah so we cut to a title card that says two weeks later and she's staring out a window and james we find out his name is james approaches her from behind and calls her name uh, and this is when she says that she can't sleep and he basically says that we had a deal and we find out that she's working her way up to going outside to get the mail. Yeah. And he says he's not out there. I promise. She opens the door, makes it to the front porch, down the driveway to the mailbox where she hears footsteps and there's a jogger and he runs right past her. Now, I think this is Adrian. I think it is him. I think he's casing the place. Yeah, it looks a lot like him, Paige. Yeah. The movie says it's not him. I think it is. I think it was him casing the joint. I think uh, he... Tweet us at us, director guy. <laughs> yeah, Lee Winnell, let us know. Um, <laughs> I, I think he was waiting for her to come outside. Yeah. And, and basically did it. So she's researching stalking. She covers the webcam... Yes. Well, because she's reading an article about how you can hack into someone's webcam. Yeah. And her ex-boyfriend is like an optics genius. So, like, yeah. if anyone knew to do that, he would definitely be one of them. Yeah, absolutely. And that's another thing I really like about this movie is, yes, we're dealing with something slightly outside the realm of current technological advances. But I think it uses, like, if someone were to make an invisibility suit, I think this is how they'd have to do it. Oh, yeah. Like, the, the guy who became, like, a billionaire and optics <laughs> yeah but just the fact that it is optics and that's kind of i think they really thought about like modern day if you were to actually make an invisibility suit what technology do we have now that we could take a couple steps forward and get this and i think they really kind of nail it it does really bother me because it, it's a whole cluster of holes but like yeah you know i think it's accurate at least to our current understanding of that sort of technology, right? Yeah. I think this is a gross misuse of an invisibility suit. I feel like there's a much better way to use it. He could have been a like a the richest man in America. Like you sew that stuff to the military, you're like, write me the blank check. Yeah. I would just do pranks. I think that's the way I'd use it too, Mike. <laughs> like harmless pranks. Just pantsing people all the time. <laughs> or put food color in like the dog bowl and they're like, why is the dog bowl green? I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> Mikey would be the worst invisible man because you would just hear him laughing in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> like I untie someone's shoes and I'm like <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, the dog bowl <laughs> just like why <laughs> the best pranks don't have any whys it's called 40 chess page yeah. oh great 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 do stuff that's so unbelievably weird that like there's no explanation for it at all oh my goodness so the doorbell rings and she immediately kind of startles uh, but James answers it, and it's her sister, Emily, who basically immediately is met with Cecilia, uh, Elizabeth Moss's character, being like, I told you not to come here. He knows where you live. He's going to follow you. Like, she's very paranoid. Yeah. And her sister reveals that Adrian is allegedly now dead. Yeah. He committed suicide, even. Yeah. Right. Did it say why? Did, he, did it say he cut his wrist or something? 
No, and I do really like that because we never address until later, like, do they have his body? Like, wh- how did he do mm-hmm. it? Like, all of that stuff. They never really address that, and I like that. Well, they show a picture, and I just didn't, I didn't know if it's... And also, we find out that that person is also in on it with the brother, but... I do really like that we don't dwell on it too much. Well, and and to be honest, I think what we find out later on is that he had enough money to manipulate the media and a few other things to cover his death to make it look legitimate. Yeah. Without necessarily having all of that information or stuff. Right. I I have the the real questions, though. Like, (laughs) how do you pee in it? In the, the suit? suit or in a coffin? What are we talking about, Mikey? <laughs> in the suit, because he is in like a jail cell with her later on. Does he just pee in the suit? Or like, is there a catheter? I think he pees <laughs> in it and then it uploads just those cameras to a site online for Twitter cams. <laughs> or does like a dick just fall out out of thin air and like pee? <laughs> <laughs> it's a disembodied dick? <laughs> that's, what, that's the footage I wanted from her jail cell. <laughs> oh, Mikey. It was a disembodied dick. Cool. <laughs> I'm watching the movie the whole time. I'm like, if he's with her this whole time, he'd have to pee. So explain that movie. Checkmate, Lee Wan L. Is the suit waterproof? Clearly not. Exactly, Paige. Exactly. <laughs> Actually, I do think the suit is waterproof, but if you get it wet, you can see it. I wasn't sure later on when they're in the parking lot and it's raining if it's flashing in and out because of the water or if it's because she stabbed him. Because she stabbed it. Because it was flashing in and out before then, before it got wet. Right. And later on the restaurant, you hear the patrons like, someone smells like piss. Like, do you smell that? (laughs) (laughs) Is this weird dick floating around the table? (laughs) He goes to the men's room. He comes back, honey, you're not going to believe this. The urinal next (laughs) to There was a flying dick And it just (laughs) peed and flew away There's just this piece of toilet paper Trailing on the floor Like it's stuck to somebody's shoe But there's nobody there Adrian would be the kind of douche That had that stuck to his suit shoe (laughs) But I think what this movie Also does really well In this scene particularly Is she is not immediately relieved No Because Even when the person who abused you or hurt you is gone and you're quote unquote safe, the feelings don't go away immediately. Yeah. And if you've not been in like a domestic situation like that, think of it like combat PTSD of like when you come back from overseas or a combat deployment, you're still heavily on guard like you were over there, which is the whole post-traumatic stress response uh, is that you can't you can't come down. And she is yeah. dealing with PTSD. Like it is, yeah. not, it, it may be a non-combat. Like no, no, no. It's the same disorder. Yeah, yeah. It's but the I'm just same I'm trying to. Thing. I'm just being like, yeah. trying to make sure people understand as clear as I'm trying to. I'm trying to dumb it down for everybody. For for a real <laughs> life example, uh, you cannot I, let your guard down. Yeah, I I had a a friendship that ended very very badly where the person threatened to kill me, and even though I knew they were far away and that they no longer had their car. Anytime I saw that car on the road, I would freak out for like weeks. Like I knew, like logically knew it was not them. Didn't stop me from freaking out every time. And it was something that just gradually I had to like, it's not them. Like it's not and unlearn those that paranoia in a way. I bet it was months or years before you could see a floating dick and not freak out. (laughs) It's, you know, to be honest, (laughs) still bugs me a bit. (laughs) 
but at least I can see Ford Fiestas now, and it's fine. <laughs> That's the worst kind of car to haunt you. <laughs> Try being freaked out with one of those common cars. The lamest thing ever. It's a Prius. We got to get out of here. Like, oh, my God. It's a silver Ford Fiesta. What am I going to do? This is no party at all. No. But Cecilia's going to have issues for a long time, and that's okay. She's, yeah. she's going to have to work through a lot. But listen, therapy really helps. Like If you go to therapy really wanting to get over your issues and not sort of use them as an armor to protect you from other people and keep that distance for, uh, from other people, if you actually want to get through your trauma and work through it in therapy, you can do that. It just takes time. Or $5 million. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, I know for, for me personally, a huge part of it was having to adopt the idea that if I was allowing my paranoia of the things that this person had done to me to dictate how my life was going, they were still winning. Like they were still mm -hmm. hurting me without trying. Yeah. And why should I let them get away with it without doing the work? And and it's not an overnight process. It's something you have to go through months and years of changing your thinking. And, you know, mm -hmm. it is hard because these strategies that you used in dangerous situations were sur survival strategies. Yeah. And they helped you in those times. Yeah. And then the problem is when you get out of those times, they're no longer helpful for your life. They're detrimental. It's hard when you're when you rely on something to survive to get out of that mindset and be like, oh, I don't need that anymore and kind of move forward. Yeah. Uh, and it's a struggle. Yeah, it, it is a struggle. And hey, there's still days when like I see, you know, somebody in a picture with them on Facebook that I wasn't ready for. And it's going to bug me for, you know, an hour <laughs> or so. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not like rocking back and forth in my bathroom for a whole day so like hey progress you know progress yeah and it happens less and less and less and less and less well i'm glad, so. I'm glad you're doing better with it thank you me too <laughs> but this is where we get in this next scene she kind of sits down with james and her sister but also how much better would you be with it if they also gave you $5 million. Oh my God, so much better. It'd be like, <laughs> don't worry about me. I'm going to move to a completely different country in a walled fortress and I'm right. never going to have to worry about you again. And my therapist <laughs> is going to be way better than Mikey or whoever. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh, I understand. Man. I mean, she does have a lot of issues and she's like so scared she can barely go to the mailbox and back. But if someone yeah. said, hey, there's a bunch of money waiting for you in San Francisco, I'd be like, oh, let's go. <laughs> so I sort of get that she's living in the suburbs of yeah. San Francisco we don't have a, a concrete idea of where we know where his house is and we know where the city is but other than that but what we're kind of finding out is she doesn't fully believe he's dead which I think is tied to that abuse when somebody oh, yeah. is that manipulative and controlling you tend to give them more power than they actually have over you and this movie, I mean, he has an invisibility suit, so he does kind that. of have that power. Yeah, Paige. But like in, in, in real <laughs> life, in real life, you give that person more power than they actually have, where like, now I can take a step back and be like, that person was never actually going to hurt me. They were just trying to get me to do what they wanted. Right. Um, the, it was empty threats. Although the thing is, Paige, sometimes they're not empty threats. And how do you know? Like, Yeah, there's no way to know. Yeah, exactly. So like, you yeah. should handle it 
like it's always an imminent threat. And that's why you yeah. end up with stuff like PTSD because you're in that survival instinct that Mikey was talking about. And that very possibly is what saved your life in those situations. Right? Yeah, I did call the cops that day. <laughs> yeah. So like, you know. This is a very good, valid, deep discussion. And I think we did great with it. But thank you. Who would we want to see naked if we had an invisible suit? Oh, I mean, okay. I'm going to say this. I'd want their consent. Yes. I don't, I'm not down with feeling like they don't know I can see them naked. Like, that's still creepy. Suit or not. Yeah, mine would probably be like, hey, look, I'll give you this invisible suit if you let me see you naked. <laughs> that's actually, that's the best way to use that suit. <laughs> Mikey never wears the suit. I'll, he just gets I'll to see whoever you an invisibility suit for, to see that sweet, sweet dick. Jokes on them. It's a medium. It's a medium. <laughs> oh. If I was wearing that stupid invisible suit, it wouldn't zip up all the way. My stupid belly button would be right, right there. <laughs> I'm just picturing a V. <laughs> like chest hair, chest belly hair button, just but fat. floating. There's like a fat V hairy thing. I don't know. <laughs> oh man, now I know oh, what I'm thinking man. about tonight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> G- giving Scarlett Johansson an invisibility suit? <laughs> no. Yeah. Or giving Christina Hendricks an invisibility suit? I'm not super into Christina Hendricks. She's a redhead. She's not yeah. actually. I know she's a blonde and dyes it, but yeah. you know whatever. I'm into that natural redhead life. I've dated two women that dyed their hair red and they were crazier than the real redhead I'm dating. <laughs> not that Natalie's crazy. Natalie is not crazy. Let me be clear. It's a tradition at that point. If it's yeah, it's a, you've done it three times. It's a tradition. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, listen, I've got a type. I do have a type. Abusive. <laughs> Natalie is not at all. I, I like that your Adrian doesn't even need, they just need a red wig. They don't even need a, a suit for invisibility. <laughs> I fall for it every time. <laughs> I don't know what I would do with a visible suit because it's really easy to go evil on that. That's why you never trust someone who says if they would have a superpower and they say it's invisibility, don't trust them. Yeah, I always say telekinesis. Todd, what would you do? Uh, I'm really into omniscience, so probably that. I'd be invincible where like you could shoot me, but like nothing would happen. and I would just go piss people off. <laughs> anyway, this is the scene where she basically tells them that he controlled her entire life. He wouldn't let her leave the house. He was brainwashing her. And then he would attack her for things that he thought she was thinking. Yeah. Which, you know, is like they just ripped it out of Dianetics and read it on screen. Yeah. And Ooh. we then find out that he wanted to have a baby. And she knew that if she did have a baby, that she wouldn't be able to get away. So she started taking birth control without him knowing it, but that can only go on for so long. And so she escaped. Yes. We cut to the next day where now I think she's had some time to process that he's dead. Quote unquote. And she goes outside to the mailbox and leaves the door open. And this is when I questioned if this is one of the times he gets in. But also there's a scene where the window is open later on that may have been when he gets in. So we cut inside to James and his daughter, Sydney talking about their college choices and see Cecilia brings the mail in basically saying that she's accomplished her goals and holy shit that was hilarious to watch Todd did you break your foot ah my fucking foot I'm so sorry I was trying not to yell you're trying not to yell was the funniest yeah. thing I've seen in a long time oh my, oh my god that hurts so bad I'm surprised your feet hurt when you hit them on stuff <laughs> don't you have like a layer of hair armor I thought it was more like a exoskeleton on his feet <laughs> <laughs> 
Have I not hurt myself enough for your amusement, you asshats? Let's let's move on. <laughs> so she talks about how she's accomplished her goal of getting the mail, and there's a letter for her, and she says, "How did they know I was here? Cause no one was supposed to know she was there." And it's about Adrian's estate. It also didn't look like it had been like sent through the mail. It looked like it had been just stuck in the mailbox. So she goes to San Francisco with her sister to meet with Adrian's brother, who's handling the trust because he stipulated that they had to be there in person. And he starts to read a prepared statement. They choose not to listen to it. And he tells them that they are physically close to him because he's in that urn. But this is where we find out that she's going to get $5 million in $100,000 installments as long as she does not commit a crime and is not institutionalized. Yeah. But she has to sign for it. Which, like, is that second one even, like, a legal stipulation? It's a personal trust. He can really kind of dictate whatever he wants. But she has HIPAA rights. How would they find out? If you get arrested for murdering your sister, they're going to find out. Yeah, I think the crime one's more realistic. The crime one would be f- fun, but like talk about the mental health issue one. I mean, technically they might not, you know? Yeah. Unless there's some sort of stipulation as a part of it that has her sign away her HIPAA rights. Yeah. To the lawyer? I'd be like, ugh. But I mean, $5 million. $5 million. Yeah. $5 million is a powerful motivator. Yeah. So we cut back to the house where she has James and his daughter, Sydney, covering their eyes, and she's bought them a new ladder. And she has Sydney climb the ladder to find an envelope revealing that she has set up a college fund for her so she can basically go wherever she wants. They've only known this lady for two weeks, right? No, I thought she was like a family friend. Yeah, I think she's only been staying with them for two weeks. Okay. Yeah, I got the impression that they were like family friends. That's just a hell of a gift. That would be kind of creepy. I mean, I think what it's demonstrating within the world of the movie is that she is a generous giving person. She's not in this for the money. She is glad that she has it, glad that she's comfortable, but like also wants to use it to help those around her. Right. Yes. And I don't think that's why I, yeah. she dated Adrian. And then, um, well, he probably was very charming at first. But I think, yeah, I think you're right. It's supposed to make her be likable. And like, the, and, and she really cares about the people she's staying with. Yeah. As they're celebrating, we get a point of view shot from down the hallway. So basically somebody who's not with them is watching. Then we cut to Cecilia in her room, which is actually Sydney's room as well. They share a room. Yeah, they sleep in the same bed. Yeah. Uh, She's unpacking for some shopping, and we get a shot of the window. So she kind of walks in and out of frame, but we have, like, we're stuck on that window, and it is open. And as she goes to hang up new clothes, we get another point of view shot, but it's from behind her. And we see as she turns and clearly senses somebody in the room. Yeah. We cut to the next morning. She's making bacon and eggs. James is leaving for work and she needs to get Sydney up. So she walks out of the kitchen to do it. And while she's out of the kitchen, the gas turns up. Yeah, he literally turns the gas lighting up to 11 on this <laughs> movie. <laughs> yeah, the food starts to burn. A fire starts in the kitchen. She rushes to put it back out. Sydney helps her. Well, because you're not supposed to put out a grease fire with water. That's the worst thing you could do. Have made that mistake oh, before. Oh, so have I. I yelled at the TV. I was like, don't use water. I know. I've done that myself. It was a horrible thing to do. But Sydney, thank God, knows to grab the fire extinguisher and puts it out. Yeah. But this is fire hydrant shadowing because that's the same fire hydrant she uses later to defeat the quote-unquote invisible man, wanky blinky. So we cut to the house that night, and 
a drawer creaks open and closed. We hear footsteps in the house and we hear typing coming from Cecilia's room. And we find out later that she's basically applying for jobs. So yeah. she looks towards the doorway. She senses that someone is there. She calls for James, but it's not James. She walks out into the hallway and it seems empty. She still hears footsteps, but now farther away. She turns on the light. She walks into the kitchen, turns on that light, and we see that the front door opens behind her. Yeah. And we hear footsteps outside. And then she goes outside. Why would you do that? I mean, under like normal circumstances, if your front door just opens, you burn your house down because that shit's haunted. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Potentially. I just get naked. Anytime someone's threatening you, anytime things get weird, you just get naked. I feel like that's bad advice. I, I honestly do agree that that is bad advice. Get the butter out the fridge, grease up. They can't catch you. Yeah. <laughs> you're in for a fight, you're ready to go. You guys don't know, you haven't taken self-defense. Get some Vaseline and some razor blades. <laughs> yeah, I just got two kitchen knives, I'm glistened up, like I look like a dinner roll, just with knived up and ready to go. <laughs> He just got back from the tanning salon like he's a good golden brown. Like it looks <laughs> yeah. great. Oh, my gosh. So she goes outside and we see her breath and then we see oh. his breath behind oh, her. Cool effect. That scared the shit out of me. It was so good. Such a good effect. One of the very, very, very few CG effects in this movie. And like, who is it tiny and used to perfect effect? Yes. So good. So she walks back inside and closes the door. She lays down next to Sydney, and somebody pulls the covers off and starts flashing the lights. Yeah, like to wake her up. He is like, no, 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 no. You guys, I thought that at first too. It was the the flash from his camera. <gasps> oh, yeah, good point, Mikey. Look at you. That's when he's taking the pictures on his phone. Yeah. yeah. Well, I actually, fun fact, they had to reshoot the scene of him taking the pictures, and eventually they just took the scene out. So that is probably why we don't have a clear understanding of is it the lights or is it the camera until later when we see the camera. Right. But that doesn't make sense. I, I do think you're right. I think it is the camera. So she stirs and sits up and there's somebody standing in the room. Yeah. At this point, I'm, she's way too calm. I would have yelled if I had seen that figure. And it looks sort of like Chevy Chase in Memoirs of the Invisible Man. Like he's got like a <laughs> trench coat and a top hat. Like I would have, yeah. I would have yelled. It would have scared yeah. the shit out of me. And I thought that's where they were going. But no, she's like cool as a cucumber for whatever reason. Well, and I think it's because when she gets up, it's gone. And yeah. so she looks at the chair in the corner of the room and it's indented like somebody is sitting in it. She tosses a sheet over it, hoping it would like cover, but there's nothing there. So then she picks it back up to put the blankets back on the bed and she can't because there's invisible footprints on it and they walk towards her. And again, oh, man. this is such an amazing practical effect. This is perfect. It was so scary, though. I was, I'm not usually super bothered by this type of scare because it's not a jump scare. Jump scares are what really get me. But this was so tense. It's super stuck with me, man. Yeah. She screams and wakes everybody up. Yeah. Sid has pepper spray, which is great. Yes. And no one believes her, which, by the way, is like one of my biggest fears is to have something bad happen and for no one to believe me. Just Cassandra, prophetess of doom. Well, let's break this down. Okay. It would be hard to believe this. Understandable, yes. Yeah, believing that someone faked their death and invented an invisibility suit, which no one's ever seen before. Yeah, understand that that's a tough thing to believe. Right. 
Now, what would have been really, really interesting is to go through this entire movie and then Tale of Two Sisters it and find out that he has been dead the whole time. Oh, oh. man. Oh, that. <laughs> I feel like that's an equally terrifying ending to this movie. Yeah, that would have messed with me, man. Yeah. Where she really did kill her sister? Yes. Oh, oh that would have been and, pretty good. And the security guards and everything. Like, everyone like the movie is exactly the same except at the end they pull the the suit down and it's her face you would have had to change some of those scenes though because it's very clear in the security guard scenes and stuff like that that she is not doing it i still try to be like these people really did not think bigger when it came to having an invisible suit you're still mad about the floppy dick aren't you yeah i'm, I'm mad about that i'm really mad about it and like what if you had to poop? <laughs> They're like still suits in Dune, Mikey. It just it just turns all of that into water, and then you drink it. It's fine. So what I Ugh. what I don't like about it, Mikey, is that this guy is super rich. He invented an invisibility suit, and he is literally just gonna mess with his ex girlfriend. Like how petty and stupid, and like I just hated him so much because of that. Totally believed he would, and like it didn't turn me off in the movie. I'm just like this guy is a fucking loser i had that whole thought process too like why wouldn't he just sell this to the government and make billions of dollars but he wants that all that power to himself because he's like a narcissistic manipulative like abuser and that's why i bought it but i like yeah. this guy's a loser i hate him so much anyway so they tell her it's probably just a dream and adrian will haunt you if you let him don't let him you've got a job interview tomorrow don't ruin it so the next day she goes to the job interview and it seems to be going good although he does seem to be kind of hitting on her which is strange oh and also because he's like oh are do all the beautiful women just find yeah. their way to paris for some reason and if you look around the office there's only women in that office it's yeah. him and a bunch of women she didn't want to work there that's a huge red flag. It is a pretty big red flag. Um, but her, she opens her portfolio to show it, and it is empty. Yeah. And she has what appears to be a panic attack before passing out. Yeah. We cut to the hospital where she takes a blood test, and uh, she can go home. They're going to call her with the results. Yeah. So she goes home. She takes a shower. The phone rings. She gets out of the shower to answer it, and it's the doctor calling saying that there was a high amount of diazepam in her blood, and she's just like, well, I don't take it and then she finds the bloody diazepam bottle in her bedroom creepy in that moment i would have been calling the cops like immediately say what yeah Todd? she wouldn't be able to yeah. prove anything the ghost of my abusive ex-boyfriend is haunting left me. me this pill bottle that i shouldn't have although that's true and there is a point in this movie where i was like oh my god he is setting her up for his murder yeah absolutely so i mean and that would have been just more evidence i guess because i'm assuming it's his blood from when he punched the window, the car yeah, window is. at the very beginning, mm -hmm. on the actual pill bottle because he picks it up there. Right. So, yeah, I mean, that could have been more evidence that she killed him or whatever. Right. So instead of calling the cops, she goes to his brother and she's like, you know, he's alive because I think you're part of this. I have this pill bottle. I didn't have it before. And he gaslights her and is like, I've got his ashes over there and I don't know how he would figure out to be invisible, but I think it's more profitable for him to make you think that he did because he's a manipulator he knows people's weaknesses and he gets inside people's heads and he controlled me before he met you and i hated him for it and when yeah. i heard he was dead he hands her an envelope of crime scene photos we don't get a good look at them in the movie and he just ends it with don't let him win by haunting you which for a moment makes us think that he's on her side i didn't believe it for a second um, not really it's like the most 
in unconvincing acting portrayal of like I'm a super douche. Yeah. But am I? Am I? But no, he really does no. come off like a super douche all the time. Like he's obviously a bad guy. He's yeah. obviously in on it with him. Like I knew from that scene that he's like, oh, he is in his brother's pocket. They're doing this together. I didn't realize that he was going to be in the suit. I thought he was just going to be helping him out. But I, man, I loved, I loved that it was him in the suit. But we can talk about that when we get to it. But I knew he was in on it. I, I feel like they like they swarmed him up a little too much. I will get to some fun facts about him after, but there's a reason why you immediately suspect him. They did some things visually to make you do that. Okay, good. Next, she goes to see her sister, and her sister's like, well, fuck you. You sent me this horrible email, how I'm suffocating you or whatever. Oh, yeah, but when we see the email here in a second, like, there's no way she wrote that. Like, they must have a horrible family life if she believed anything that was in that email. Also, your sister's been going through a lot recently. Give her a little compassion, Emily. Like, be nice. Like, why you won't even let her in to talk? Like, what is wrong with you? I I hate Emily so much in this moment. Right, we all have siblings, and we've all read and received emails where you basically threaten to kill each other all the time. I mean, like, it's like a normal thing. I have not. I uh, have not. Um, But what I would say is the fact that Cece seems to know absolutely nothing about the email would have been a red flag to me. Like if I was in Emily's shoes, where as opposed to being like, get the fuck out, I would have been like, did you do? Are you having altered states? Basically, like, did you write this and you have no memory of it? Do we need to commit you? Basically, I think I think one of the things I would have enjoyed about this movie a little bit more is that after he died. If the sister was like, okay, now you can leave my friend's house and come stay with me since we're family. Mm. You don't have to stay with my friend anymore. Now I'm safe and you're safe. Let's let's you know, like let's rebuild our relationship and things like that. And I feel like they could have gone down that road mm-hmm. a little bit more and still involved James and that family. And I think it, you could have got more emotionally invested to the sister. Yeah. Um, but regardless, she kicks her out. So she rushes home to look at the email and it's brutal and sent from her address and she doesn't remember doing it. But it's over the top brutal. Yeah, I it's, think. it's ridiculous. <laughs> That's why it's not believable. It literally says I'd rather you had died than Adrian. Like there's no way she would have written. That. Right. Right. Like if my brother sent me that or my sister or whoever, I'd have been like, oh, <laughs> He's just having a goof. Like, he's just messing with me. Like, I would never believe that they would say that. I would have probably called to be like, can we talk about this? <laughs> like, Yeah, I probably would have called him like, hey, did you mean that email? Because I was like real mean. Also, yeah. like, you wish I was dead? Yeah. Also, who's Adrian? <laughs> Who? Adrian! <laughs> so she rushes home to look at the email. It's overly brutal. She didn't write it. And she ends up just on the floor crying where Sydney finds her and is like, hey, let's have a girl's night. We'll get some cake. And all of a sudden, something hits Sydney. And she thinks it was Cecilia, but we see that it wasn't. That Cecilia is a full, like, two feet away from her. Yeah. Yeah, it was not Cece. And she's trying to be like, hey, it was Adrian. I, I swear I saw it happen. But... James comes in and he does what I would say he's a good dad in this moment because from what he understands and knows Adrian is dead and the only person person in the room that he can see is Cecilia and if she was violent towards his child he needs to keep his child safe 
I as much as as it's frustrating in the story, that's a, a logical reaction for me. Yeah. And he's not overly cruel about it. either. Yeah. He's like, Look, I've got to keep my child safe. I know you're going through a lot, but you need to get some help. And he like walks out. Yeah. Because he could have gone different. Like he could have wrote his equivalent of an email. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so he leaves the house and leaves her there. And she walks basically through the living room and kitchen and she's yelling out to an empty house. She spreads coffee all over the floor and gets a knife. And she's that was a good t- move. It was a good move. She kind of starts talking aloud as if he's there. I mean, he is there. Like, we yeah, know but we don't know there. where. Yeah. Yeah. She gets an idea. She crawls across the coffee grounds to the phone. She calls Adrian's phone. But this is hours later. Like, she yeah. spreads the coffee out and then sits in the corner for hours yeah. just looking for footprints. Think about how insane that would make you. Like, staring at the floor for coffee grounds to move. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Man, that would be insane, especially when there's an open door right behind you. Yeah. Well, or there's a window behind her and an open door in front of her. Well, no, there's also a door behind her. To a bathroom, though. But at least close the door because yeah. then you know if he's in there, he has to open the door to get out. Right. Not me. If I thought somebody's in the room, I'll just whip it out and pee on everything. Why is that your answer to everything is just soaking things in pee today? Do you have to go pee? We can take a break. <laughs> I do. I do have to go pee. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mikey, go pee. I'm going to go pee. But like, <laughs> would you use coffee grounds? I would have done flour. Uh, okay. Yeah. Absolutely. I would have used flour because it'll stick better than coffee grounds would. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. So she gets an idea. She crawls across the coffee grounds to the phone. She calls Adrian's phone. She hears it vibrating in the house. And eventually she kind of locates that it's buzzing above her in the attic. Like right above Mm -hmm. her. Yeah. She climbs up the new ladder to the attic crawl space and shines a light around. We get some paint can shadowing. Yes, we do. Because it's right next to the opening. (laughs) And the phone rings. She calls it again. It rings in the corner along with a set of keys, photos of her sleeping, her portfolio, and a knife. Yeah. Who the fuck would go in the attic? This is my whole thought during this whole time of like, I would would never. Never. As soon as I heard the phone ring, I would call 911 because that is a legit physical thing that can be proven. I'd be like, get here. I need people. But here's the thing. And maybe this is just from the perspective of a, of a woman who has not been believed sometimes. No one would believe that because they'd be like, well, you lived at his house. You could have stolen his phone. And you took those pictures of yourself. Oh, I don't know, man. You could have set a timer. That's what I was going to say. So, like, I could definitely see why you'd think that. But, man, knowing what we know, in that moment, I was like, this is proof. Call the cops. Like, what are we doing? But now that I think about it, Paige, you're right. That's terrifying. I'm so sorry. Men are horrible. You don't have to mention Adrian, though. You just call 911 and you say, I'm sitting in my house and I just heard a phone go off in my attic, and I'm scared to death. But when they find it, and it's your ex-boyfriend's phone, you don't think they're going to ask questions? I would have made the whole thing up. I would have been like, that's my portfolio. That's photos taken of me sleeping. That's not me, and I have no idea whose phone that is. See, what I think she's getting They would have known it was his phone, and all of her stuff is around it. That's a knife with her fingerprints on it. Yeah, because she touched it. When she pulled it out of the bag, I was like, don't touch that knife. What are you doing? Because I thought he was trying to frame her for his murder Mm -hmm. at that point. I was like, no, don't touch anything. What are you doing? I understand her frame of mind of no one is going to believe me. No one has believed me. I have to end this once and for all. And it's either him or me. God, that's so terrifying, Paige. That makes this movie so 
scary, but you're right. I do think had she called the cops, they'd have been like, well, why did you steal this knife that he used to kill himself? Why do you have his phone? Why do you have his keys? Why did you hit that girl earlier? Yeah, exactly. Ugh. Oh, yeah. man, that's terrifying. And this is something that, like, victims of domestic abuse go through where they're like, no one's going to believe me. What do I do? And and it puts you in this fight or flight response of, like, it's them or me, which is bad. I hear what you're saying, but also you could just be like, I know objectively my, boy, my ex-boyfriend is dead. He was abusive, but someone has put his belongings in my attic and it was not me and I'm scared to death. But combine this with the fact that she was in the doctor's office a couple days ago with a quote-unquote panic attack high on diazepam. She's hit somebody earlier today, as far as they know. She's been displaying signs of a disconnect with reality. Nobody's going to believe her. Nobody's going to believe so her. So if, if they would call me out, I would see the stuff in the attic that could easily be done by you. You could talk to the cop and his daughter where she hit the cop's daughter. Mm -hmm. That's what they would tell you would believe him because he's a credible witness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then she had a panic attack and all this stuff. But then, but then I would tell her, I'd be like, okay, you have two possibilities. This is actually happening and someone is taunting you. Or you've been under a lot of stress and maybe you're not perceiving things in a great mindset. It's not going to hurt you to get checked out. And at, at that point, you'll know for sure if it's not you or not. But here's the thing, though. If it's not her... What does she do? She's got to go in the attic anyway. If it's not her, then it's her him. She's back to the same place. I would have been like, yeah, lock me up because I don't want to be alone. So my whole thing was I would probably not want to be alone and I would want people to think what I think. Like, I don't know. I don't know what I would do. She's in a position of it's him or her because he is actively trying to kill her. Like he's taunting her, but he wants her dead or at least under his control. Yes, I don't think yeah. he wants her dead. And that, honestly, makes it a little more scary for me. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. think he will do anything to exert control over her. Absolute control right. over her. And that's so scary. I mean, he even says it later. He's like, if you do anything bad, I will find the next closest person that you love and kill them. Well, and, and here's the thing. Right now, because she's not committed yet, She's in the house and she's got a fighting chance of at least wounding him. Yes. Like this is as a lady, this is where my brain would go. Can I hurt them enough that I can either get away and they will have trouble getting away and therefore be more easily discovered? Or can I kill them because people can't argue with a body? Absolutely. Like her only salvation in this is to kill him. Yeah. And more or less, she has to prove what is happening to her is happening to her because what is happening to her is so outlandish that no one believes her. But they believe her if there's a body in the suit. Exactly. Right. That's why she's got to stay and kill him. Yes, I agree. I understand why she does what she does, but man, I would not want to have done any of it. Yeah. So she climbs up the new ladder that she bought into the crawl space. She sees all the stuff. The phone rings and it's just a text message that says surprise. Oh, I hate this guy. She turns with the light, grabs the knife and makes her way back to the trap door. And the ladder's still there. But instead of climbing down it, she dumps paint down, oh. which coats the suit in paint and like ruins that hardwood floor. I know. I honestly <laughs> jumped so much in that moment because it scared me so bad. Yeah. This is like the one jump scare. Yeah. I turned to my brother and I was like, oh my God, it's a suit. Because I, I saw like mm -hmm. the weird design yeah. on the paint. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Yep. Yes. And as he falls, he knocks the ladder over. So she drops down, back down into the house, grabs the knife, follows the tracks of paint until they disappear. And she's distracted by a car driving outside until she hears the faucet turn on in the kitchen and the sink is full of paint. 
Yes. She turns the faucet off and he chokes her and lifts her into the air. This drove me crazy because she has a knife in her hand and he is choking her, lifting her off the ground. And it very clearly shows that she can't move her knife arm. So he is with one hand holding her up in the air and like holding her against the wall and holding her arm with his other hand. That is an immense amount of strength. Like I am just mad at that. See, I thought he was holding her neck with both hands and she, because she's choking, did not have control over her faculties. Oh, no. You see her arm shake yeah. like he's shaking it. I thought the suit gave more strength. The true exoskeleton? Hell yeah. He's like an invisible Iron Man. <laughs> he's what Tony Stark would actually be like. <laughs> No, if it was Tony Stark, he would just be in girls' locker rooms. It'd be tempting. This is why you <laughs> don't trust anyone who says, I want to be invisible. No, absolutely. Anyway, he drops her. She hits him with a skillet. He throws her across the dining room table. He then flips that table. Yes. She crawls back towards him, and he drags her by the hair and then by the leg back into the kitchen. This really bothered me because she gets dragged past the table that he just easily threw over. Yeah. And then she grabs onto it and is like being pulled And, like, it doesn't move that table? Like, how did this table weigh eight pounds a second ago, and now it weighs 600 pounds? Like, what are we doing? I have some notes about how this scene was filmed that might explain some of them. Oh, okay. okay. Well, and this scene was really cool because she's breaking plates over his head, but there's literally nobody there. And that shit is so cool. I'm so sorry to say it like that. It is great. Yes, it's so good. She runs outside into the street. She calls an Uber, which gets there miraculously fast. He's five star. He's not five star, though, because when she's like, hurry, he's like, I will get out of here after I complete this 80 point turn. (laughs) He got there in three seconds and you're going to give him a four star rating because he takes a little (laughs) bit to turn around. Anyway, he reveals that he's taking her to Stinson Beach, which is where Adrian's house was. Yeah. Which is about an hour and some change from where they're at. Maybe two hours. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You drive by it when you leave the airport. (laughs) No. It's it's further north along the coast. Holy shit. You you drive down the coast when you leave the, the L.A. airport. This is northern California. Mikey literally has no idea the setting of this movie. Mikey, were there any <laughs> geography classes for you to become a licensed medical health professional? <laughs> no math classes either. Oh, God. Oh. <laughs> I saw the Golden Gate Bridge, and that's right next to LAX, where you drive up the uh, Orange County to you, they oh, are, my California no. dream. They are seven hours apart driving. <laughs> And that's if you don't take the PCH, which, guys, don't take the PCH. No, dude, there's fun stuff along it. It's not the straightest shot. Like, take it if you have a couple days to fuck around. waste of time. PCH, you got, like, the place we got married. There's, like, Hearst Castle. There's, like, the dinosaurs. There's, like, so much stuff to do, but you just need, like, time to do it. It's All right, let's stop talking about how boring the pch is it is not you are just impatient and have a very short attention span i'm sorry what were we talking about (laughs) exactly (laughs) (laughs) i like to just make page back with incorrect california geography yeah and then like if you go south on pch mexico that is that's actually true what is that accurate you backed your way into a true statement that's actually great Anyway, she gets into the house. The dog is still there and clearly not dead of malnutrition, even though it's been more than two weeks. No, because he's been keeping that dog alive, which uh-huh. I don't understand. Well, it's proof. It's control. 
But also, that's one more thing that I'm like, proof. Who's been caring for the dog? Yeah. But she goes into the lab, and it looks like there's no suit there, but she tries to log into the case anyway. The codes that she tries doesn't work. Then she ends up trying the date that they met, and it opens. Because he's a romantic. He's not. He's he's an abuser. <laughs> You're so terrible. That's what she says. That is what she says. Yeah. But regret. She's like, Ugh. She clicks a button, and it uncloaks the machine, which, again, ah, holes. It's, mm, no, thank you. It's a cool-looking suit, though. Yeah, I just can't stand to look at it for very long. It makes me itchy. It makes me itchy. Uh, but it's literally a suit made of cameras. Yeah. The dog barks. She takes the suit, runs through the bedroom, and into the closet where she stashes the suit in the same place where she had her go bag in the original scene. Yeah. The first scene. Oh. So Adrian is now in the house, and he's wearing a suit. So he opens the closet. She hides behind the door. He steps into the room, and she tackles him. The dog defends her because he's a good boy. He is a good boy. Good boy. And she runs out of the house and makes it to the Uber and then drives away. In the car, she makes a date with her sister for 8 p.m. for dinner at Yulon. Yeah. We cut to the restaurant where she's sitting alone at a table. This is the scariest scene for me in this the movie. This is very scary. Man, it's so tense. And it, it shot like she's sitting there with someone, but she's just looking at an empty chair. They mm -hmm. do a lot of that stuff where it's shot in a way that makes it feel like there's someone else there when there's no one there. Mm -hmm. Later in the movie, they literally rack focus from people who are in the shot to behind them, and it blurs them out, focusing on literally nobody. Mm -hmm. And that is like, oh my God, that's where he is. It's such good cinematography, man. So it's good. You're right, and it makes you it makes you feel as paranoid as she must yes. feel because you're like right. you're looking around like he's there. I know it. Yeah. It really draws you in without really saying anything. It's just showing you that feeling, and it's so good. It's very good. Yeah. Uh, her sister shows up. They have the most interrupting waiter on earth, but like a very <laughs> real waiter. <laughs> I felt bad for him because her sister is sort of being mean and he's just doing a good job. He's like, what kind of water do you want? And she's like, the free kind. The free kind. <laughs> it's like, oh, tap. Okay, that's fine. I'll go get you. Do you tap guys want some more time? Look at the drink menu. You guys yeah, we nice want line. more time. So do we us. want more time? Yeah. <laughs> she's like so mean to him. <laughs> you see him in the background of the scene, like talking to his coworkers. And he's like, they're so mean to me. They're like such dicks. <laughs> <laughs> do you guys smell urine? <laughs> uh, <laughs> she says to her sister, you are like a cop and you're strong and intimidating. And sometimes when I'm not in trouble, I'm intimidated by you. But right now I am and I need your strength and I need you to believe me. Yeah. And so she's kind of like, OK, fine. And so she's like, I went to his house today. I found something that proves that he's not dead and he is stalking me. He built a suit. It has cameras. And as she's saying it, there's a floating knife in the middle of the table. Oh, my God. And it just swings and slices the sister's throat. She is instantly dead. People in the restaurant notice and scream. And then he kind of. Well, and the knife is now in her hand. And that's when people start to notice. So it, it very clearly she, quote unquote, killed her sister. Like, right. There's no other logical explanation for that. It's so insane. I was so not expecting this at all. Yeah. Yeah. The first time I saw it, I was just like, oh, my God. Oh, no. Because you really kind of think you're like, well, the sister's finally going to believe her and help her. And then no, just like when well, it's a crowded restaurant. Yeah. It's basically day horror. Yeah. So we cut to she's in an interrogation room and they're like. 
so if you didn't kill your sister who did and she's like i can't tell you he's listening but he's in the room he's invisible she ends up talking to james they they kind of excuse the other officer and james is like hey uh what's going on and she's like you don't think i did this i may as well i brought him into her life but like i didn't do this and he just is basically like i shouldn't have left you alone you're clearly experiencing a mental health crisis yeah i was responsible for you and i left you because you hit my daughter understandable uh but so after this she's committed okay so let me jump in yep. she's arrested and mm-hmm. committed at the same time yep. basically mm-hmm. yeah so they they are still booking her on the murder charges she's still in custody right she's also in still in jail mm-hmm. but she's in like the psych treatment part of jail she might be waiting to go to a psych hospital mm-hmm. or this is since it is fancy san francisco it is a very nice jail uh, it could be treatment in jail, but like it's definitely not regular jail and it's definitely not a psych hospital. Okay. It's, I was puzzling this out for the next 50. I was like, um, they would arrest her. They wouldn't just send her to a psych hospital. Then I'm like, maybe she is arrested and the guards are sheriff's department. So that tells me she's still in jail. Yeah. And that's why they locked the individual doors because mm. a psych ward probably wouldn't do that. So I, I, I figured it out. and I just wanted to share it all with you that she's technically in jail in psych treatment in jail. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. And that's why she's got her own shower that has like you can't hang yourself in that shower. Yeah. Because it's too short. So a nurse comes into her room and is basically like, hey, we have to talk about the blood tests that were done at the hospital. Did you know that you were pregnant? And she says, no. And she says, didn't the doctor who took the test tell you? Now, earlier when she got the results that there was diazepam in her blood, we hear the tail end of the doctor's message. It's like, hey, there's something else, but I'd rather tell you in person. But she never goes. So, yeah, I knew she was pregnant on that original phone call. I even Mm -hmm. told Natalie, it's like, oh, my God, she's pregnant. Yep. And she's basically like, it can't be right. It can't be true. And she says, well, it's pretty recent sometime in the last month. Is there anyone we can call? At this point, I will say, and it'll come up later, messing with someone's birth control without their consent is the same as rape. Don't do it. Don't do that. It's bad. Yeah, it is bad. So I stopped the movie and like turned to my brother and I was like, he didn't rape her in the suit, did he? I was like trying to figure out the timeline of everything. Yeah. And- it doesn't give us that, although we get an explanation in like literally the next scene. But when I first saw it, I was like, when she was out on the diazepam, how many times has she been out? Yeah. What, that's what we don't that's know. What I was, yeah. 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 I was like, oh, that's terrifying. Yeah. Uh, so she goes to what looks like like a common room to meet with adrian's brother and he offers her a deal because he represents the trust so she doesn't get any money anymore yeah he like he has to cut her off because part of the thing was you can't get the money if you've committed a crime and i personally feel like the five million dollars was never going to be given to her because this was always going to happen i think that he was trying to set up for his murder and then when he found out she was pregnant They pivoted, Mm -hmm. so they changed the plan at that point. I think she had a very reasonable, not guilty for reason of insanity defense going on. I think so, too. And if she is innocent until proven guilty and is never found guilty, loophole. She gets the money. Legal loophole! He does kind of bring up that she could try to litigate it, but it's going to be tough but this is where he reveals like hey if you agree to have the baby and go back to adrian this all goes away which again is him being like he's alive he has been fucking with you you're not he like gets close to her and starts whispering he leans in he is the worst yeah well his brother's the worst he's second worst no he's still the. they're both the worst yeah pretty bad also no one likes their brother this much to go along with a plan like this. Yeah. Unless he was like, you can keep the suit. I think he probably paid him off. I think he paid him off too. But there is no amount of money that would make me do this. Right. I would be no, like, me no. either. And my brother's a doctor. I'm sure the day's coming where he's going to try to pay me to do something really dumb. And I... <laughs> 
And anyway, he also tells her that Adrian knew that she was secretly using birth control and replaced the pills. Yes. Which, again, is is messing with someone's contraception. That's not okay. Don't do that. Yeah. And that also, to me, tells me he's not being paid off. He's a willing participant more than just, I'm doing this for the money. Like, he knows the details. And he seems to be enjoying this conversation too much. I just thought he was evil. I mean, he is. That's true. I just would not do, I would not torture someone for any amount of money. So he basically says, right now you're technically a murderer, but I can change that if you sign this and agree to go back to him. Which, how did that work? I don't think he could have. I mean, there's no way. The sister is dead. Yeah. Like, someone has to account for that death. Right. right. I mean, it would have to be her unless what is happening to her is proven, right? Right. And then it's one of the two of them. It's either Adrian or Tom. Right. She pushes the files off the table and basically says, Adrian killed my sister and you helped him, so I'm not going to help you. Yeah. And she steals a pin. As he's picking up the papers and his cell phone, mm-hmm. I would have murdered him right there, just stabbed him in the Oof. neck with that pen. I mean, if you're already going away, I might as well, like, you know. Might as well run up the body count. That, that doesn't yeah. stop the person who's actually <laughs> pulling the strings, though. She's right. got to kill true. Adrian. Adrian still gets away with it at that point if you do that. Yeah. So he says, I don't expect you to make a decision now. I'll be back in three days. We'll be watching. So she has the pen, and then she also takes some of the poster gum off the table that's holding a note down. Super smart. And she looks across the room. It's like she knows Adrian is there. So we cut to that night. They check to make sure she took her pills. She waits till they leave. She gets in the shower where she has stuck the pen from earlier in the top of the shower. Yeah. She turns the water on. She stabs the pen into her wrist and says, you won't get the baby and you won't get me. And then she catches him trying to stop her and stabs him with the pen. I love that moment because she says, there you are. And she starts like just going at his neck and like chest and stuff with that pen. Mm -hmm. I was like, this is the best. So the security guard comes in. He sees the suit. Yeah. Because she's now stabbed it and it's kind of shorting out. He grabs his taser and Adrian turns the taser on him and I think probably kills that guy because he tases him in the neck for a long period of time. A long time, yeah. Um, She pushes past him and runs out into the hallway. He takes out two guards and then she hears footsteps in the hall as more security comes in but looks up to notice that it's all on camera. Yeah. Yeah, and this whole scene, the suit's flickering in and out of yes. existence, mm-hmm. yeah. which is a super cool effect. Yeah. It is a very, very cool effect, but also at this moment, it's sort of a vindicative moment for her because other people are seeing that this yes. insane thing is actually happening and she's not actually crazy. Right. Which made me crazy later on when James was talking to her and he's like, yeah, now that we have some witnesses that say something really weird happened at the jail. I'm like, witnesses? I was like, it's all on camera. Like, you shouldn't be... You know exactly what happened. Yeah, it's on camera, and he didn't kill all those sheriffs, right? Yeah. So, like, there are people there who can testify of what was happening. It's not just the cameras. Mm -hmm. Uh, He basically dispatches between 10 to 12 guards in this hallway. Yeah. And one of them, vindictively, where he, like, points the gun at his head and is like, bang. But then... Doesn't shoot him, turns around, and then shoots him from behind. It's ridiculous. He's such a tool. She grabs a gun, follows him out into the parking lot, or into the stairwell first. She manages to shoot him once. She gets one in, like, his shoulder. Yeah, and you see, like, the wall behind him explode a little bit. Yeah, a little bit of blood. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. He runs out into the lobby, then into the parking lot. She follows him out. It's pouring down with rain. The suit is malfunctioning, so she can occasionally see him as they run in and out between the cars. 
You'd also be able to see it just from the rain alone because of the way the suit works. Right. Which we do see a little bit later. And that's why he's hiding under the open hatchback, whatever van that is or whatever it is Mm -hmm. here in a second. Right. We hear that the guards have come out after her and he starts basically taking guards out one by one. Yeah. While also trying to kill her. He ends up pinning her against a fire truck and gives an evil villain speech. This is where he tells her that he's going to kill Sydney. He shoots one of the guards, but he's still alive. She He kicks the guard's gun away and runs off. She grabs the gun and runs. Yeah. He opens the gate. She goes through it. He gets into his car and she runs into the street holding the gun. He drives towards her and she fires at the car. In the process of him swerving to avoid her, another car crashes she commandeers the vehicle. She calls James and is like, where are you at right now? Where's Sydney? We find out that Sydney's at the house and James is on his way. Yeah, James is like, I'm at work. And she's like, go home. Sydney's in danger. But he's like really focused on like, hey, how are you calling me? You can't be calling me because she's literally in jail, you know? Yeah. Is this invisible man the brother or Adrian that who just got This is Adrian. I think this is Adrian. Then he sends the brother to the house. Yep. That's what I think, too. But that's why at the dinner scene later on, I wanted her to be like, show me your shoulder. Mm, Because she shot him. Yeah. So we cut to the house. Adrian walks in through the French doors into the dark house. Sydney hears footsteps and wakes up. James gets there. They have a huge knockdown drag out fight and they end up killing him, pulling the suit down, thinking it's going to be Adrian, but it is his brother. I love the way she eventually kills him, though, because he's in there and Sydney's no idiot, man. She grabs that pepper spray and mm-hmm. sprays him and he like falls into like her desk or something. And then she starts to run out. He starts to attack her. And then he beats the shit out of her dad yeah. like in the hallway. Oh, yeah. Real bad. Yeah, real bad. And then Cece runs over with the fire extinguisher and she's like, Sydney, get down. And she like sprays the fire extinguisher all over him so you can see him. And then she just unloads like five shots into him, like center mass. There's yeah. no way he's living through that. Not at all. It's great. She's a badass in this movie. She is a badass in this movie. Here's where the movie breaks down for me a little bit. As soon as the government got wind that there's an invisible suit, her, <laughs> Adrian's house, Adrian, they would be whisked away to like a lot of different places to, for this shit to get figured out. Yeah, no, that's true. Well, and I think that gets explained a little bit in the next scene where we cut to Adrian's house and SWAT is already there searching the property. Right. And they find him tied up in the basement, which basically is framing his brother for the whole yes. thing. So everyone thinks the brother did it. C doesn't believe it. She is stuck on the fact that Adrian did it and that he's not the victim here. And if he faked his own death, he can fake a kidnapping. Yeah, that would be much easier than faking your death. Yeah. Well, and then we know we've heard his voice yeah. from the suit. We know he was. We know he was in the suit. Yeah. Well, we know that, but the police don't. Right. So like, yeah. And so this is where James is like, look. This is about to let you off the hook because there's a lot of video of you not killing people, you right. know, like around you. If you just say the right things, things yeah. will be good for you again. I feel like that a lot of people who are domestically abused sort of get put in a situation like this yeah. where it's like if you can just go along to get along, you don't want to make waves like let's just let it be what it is and you can both live your lives like I feel like that that is a something that a lot of people have to deal with and it's such bullshit, man. I wish a different character had this conversation with her because I 
was so this is the most frustrated I was with the situation with James had this conversation with her. Yeah. And I was just like, this is ridiculous because there was an air of like, she's st- he still doesn't believe her. Yeah. And and like, you absolutely have to believe everything she says at this point. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's no shadow of a doubt. Yeah. Like, I, I, I just hated it. And if yeah. anyone knows that it's him. Like, if this is right. a, a random police officer who's, like, in charge of the case or whatever, like, James, you're too close to it. You can't run the case. Like, you have that conversation, and then that person says this to her. Like, mm-hmm. that that makes it so much better for me. But, Mikey, it did really bother me that it was him. Yeah. Yeah. But I think she knows that, like, as long as Adrian's alive, she's not safe. And she's right. So that night, we cut to the house where she's in bed with Sydney, and she calls Adrian, and he answers. We cut to her going over there for dinner. He tries to gaslight her again where he's still not going to tell her the truth. And she finally gets him to say surprise on camera. But that's not enough for him to, you know, be tried or anything like that. Yeah. I mean, right. They would have to have like a video or audio of him saying that and then them match it. And then even that would be circumstantial. Like, right. There's no way. Although I do think she goes there and he has two options. He can tell the truth. He may not know that she's taping him, but she knows if he tells the truth, he'll, he'll just go to jail forever. Right. That's fine. Like, I'll let that happen. But if he doesn't, she has to kill him. Yeah. And that's why he eventually dies. Yeah. I think a better way of done this dinner would have been him been like, look, I told the government everything. I was involved. I told them I'd give them the technology if they let me off the hook. And we just blamed it on my brother. So there's nothing you can do about it. So you can either raise this baby with me because I've already got this agreement. I thought that would have been, I thought that would have been like real that, cool. That oh, also would have totally worked, I think. Yes. I, I would have been okay with that as, as like a, a plot point in the movie. I would have believed that. Oh, man. But instead, he, because he won't tell her the truth, she cries he gaslights her again. Yeah. She says that she's going to go clean up. So she walks into the bathroom or at least that's where we think she goes. We cut back to the video feed of the dining room where the table kind of shutters and Adrian appears to slit his own throat before collapsing and bleeding out on the carpet. We then see Cece rush back in and call 911. James gets out and starts to run towards the house. She hangs up the phone with 911 and watches him bleed out and just says, surprise, which is phenomenal. Yeah, I love this, though, because she calls and is like just so frantic and scared on 911. And then you see her step out of the camera, like the Mm -hmm. indoor camera feed that he has set up. She steps out of frame of that. And then she hangs up and her whole demeanor changes. She sits down and like leans forward a little bit and like looks him in the eye as he's dying. And she's like, surprise, motherfucker. (laughs) Surprise, motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) I loved it, though, Paige. It was amazing. It was great. She's a badass, man. So she walks out to meet James and tells James that he killed himself. He cut his own throat. There's footage of it. And James fully knows what really happened. Yeah. And yeah. He's like, maybe I should have believed you. Yeah. (laughs) And she denies it and actually says to him, like, well, you heard it, right? What did it sound like to you? And he says, yeah, sounded a lot like he killed himself. And so she walks away up the steps away from the house as the dog follows. And then she smiles because she is finally free. Yeah. And And that's that's the movie. Yeah. All right. So having seen the movie, having talked about the movie, what do you guys think about the movie? I think it's great. It's done so well. It is so good. It really, really is, man. Yeah. I really, really enjoyed it. I thought it was way better than Hollow Man. Oh, yeah. 
really the only complaint I have about it is just the casting. The one thing we talked about up front. I think other than that, it is so, so good. It is scary. It's not super scary. It is super tense, but it is definitely worth watching. But I do think like a horror virgin could watch this movie. Yeah. Well, and, and as far as the casting goes, I'm torn because like, Yes, I have a problem with it, but so much of this movie relies on on she Cecilia's performance. She did such a good job. I don't know that you could replace her. I don't know who you would replace her with that would give you that same depth of a performance. After seeing us, maybe Lupita Nyong'o could have also pulled this off and been amazing. I think she could have. I think Brie Larson, after seeing The Room, I think she could have done it. Brie Larson could have done it. Patrick Wilson. I'd watch him do anything. He could do anything, Mikey. (laughs) (laughs) So, Paige, do you have some fun facts for us? I do. Well, hit us with your fun facts. (laughs) Nailed it, Mikey. All right. Nailing it. So, originally, when this film was first put into development back in 2012. Wow. Okay. That was the year we thought was going to be like 2020. That's true. (laughs) We just all can't do math and the Mayans can. Um, uh, So originally this was supposed to be part of what they were calling at the time the Dark Universe, which was essentially remakes of classic Universal monster movies. Okay. That's how this started. This was going to be tied into Tom... uh, yeah, Tom Cruise's uh, uh-huh. a mummy? Right. Um, but the problem was that all the other movies in the series did badly, starting with Dracula Untold in 2014, which I don't know if either of you saw, but it was... I saw it. It's one of the worst movies I've ever seen. It's, oh, wow. It's terrible. It's so it's bad. bad. It's, I remember being in the theater and being angry as I was watching it, just being like, <laughs> this is such dog shit. Let's talk about the dark universe. I was... Super excited for a second about this. Same. I really wanted this to work. I love the Universal Monsters. I was like, oh. Same. It'll be like Monster Squad, but like rated R. Yeah. Here for it. Well, and I, controversial opinion, love The Mummy with Brendan Fraser. Like, Same. No, that is not controversial. That is a well-accepted known fact. Love the first one, <laughs> tolerate the second one, pretend the third one doesn't exist. But I really liked it. And so when they were like, we're doing a new mummy, I was like, well, I liked I liked the mummy. But then that right. also did terrible in 2017. This was supposed to be like the third one. And originally it was going to have Johnny Depp oh. in the role of the Invisible Man. And it was going to be a completely different story where it was going okay. to focus more on the Invisible Man itself. But after they decided to kind of abandon the Dark Universe part... They retooled the story completely to not focus on the Invisible Man, but have almost like a real world version of what that would be like and a real world terror that that could be. Man, that's the right call. That's probably what they should have done with all of those movies. Yeah. Yeah. Let Lee Wan L do all of those movies now. Yeah, agreed, agreed. I think it's tougher to do with The Mummy (laughs) and with Dracula. And Frankenstein. There's totally a way to do Dark Frankenstein. Oh, there's 100% a way to do Dark Frankenstein, but everyone always do, does terrible Frankenstein, and it, it bothers me considerably. Like the movie I, Frankenstein? It's so bad. <laughs> oh, that movie. Was that one of them? Yes. Yeah. Ugh. So next fun fact, uh, at the beginning of the movie, we see her run down those hills through what look like either redwood trees or pine trees, which are native to California. Oh, tell me more about Cali. Well, the movie wasn't filmed there. <laughs> 
And that was the problem. <laughs> because <laughs> pine trees are not native to Australia. So they actually shot that short cut at a plantation where they're grown specifically for furniture and Christmas trees. Oh, really? Yes. And the only reason they were able to make that work is because it was in the dark. Because if the sun was up, you would see that she runs through trees that are planted perfectly in neat rows, all of the same height. <laughs> so she's doing what me and my brothers would do when we went to go pick out real Christmas trees every Christmas and just running up and down the like pine tree aisles getting yelled at by our mother. Yeah. Okay. What about this movie <laughs> reimagined for like adult Hallmark? where the Invisible Man is an abusive Santa Claus. I think abusive Santa Claus is, a like, I don't know why there's not a Lifetime original, like, like crime movie like that. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. Yeah. He keeps a list, Paige. Oh, God. He'll check it twice. Or Santa's son, Prince Santa. Prince, Prince Santa alone should be a Lifetime movie. Uh, Prince Santa... Is a Hallmark movie, I believe. <laughs> I'm picturing the artist formerly known as Prince Santa in like a, oh, in like a purple Santa suit yes. where he's just like, cleanse yourself in the waters of North Pole Lake in the Candy Cane River. Like, that's what I want. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's like a Willy Wonka, but a Prince version of that. I've been to Paisley Park and it is not far off. Oh my god! And then like he's using he's using his dad's Santa powers because he hates him too because he's Prince Santa to like be an abusive partner yeah. and like no one will believe her because it's Santa Claus. How can I deliver these presents when my daddy won't let me use the sleigh? Maybe oh, wow. Rudolph can be helpful. Maybe the clouds are too dark and he can't lead the way. Okay, so next <laughs> but it ends with Santa Claus having to put his son down. Oh my god! And okay, then she takes over the duties. What? No, it's gotta be dark. What? We don't need this, Mike. <laughs> Prince Santa, I judge you naughty. Naughty. <laughs> so and then he cries and he's like. In different area codes. Okay. Oh, wow. I'm sorry. This is, uh, I've ruined your segment. I apologize. So, the first name of the main character, Cecilia, is actually derived from a Latin root that means blind or eyeless. Oh. Because she cannot see the invisible man. She's also frequently called C in the movie which is obviously pronounced like C, but you can't see him. Yeah. So that was kind of fun. So Lee Winnell and his crew used a combination of old school techniques and in-camera effects and a handful of CGI wizardry to bring this to life. I thought it was way more CGI because I was like, this looks fantastic. These special effects look in, fantastic. In some cases, the CGI is just green suited people laid over with a second shot. So while it is CGI, yeah. oh. it's not as obvious. Um, but in some of those you've got, and I think this is how they did the plates where they've got a fully green suited actor that she's breaking plates over its head. Yeah. But then when mm -hmm. they take it out, it's just the plates. But with the fight scenes, they say that it's actually a mixture of things where they have her being pulled around on wires and occasionally would have a stunt person in a green suit. But then for the bulk of those fight scenes, she is physically acting that on her own. That is some Bruce Campbell. Yeah, it like, is Bruce Campbell level physical yes. acting exertion. That's impressive. Amazing. And so in those scenes, they would use more practical effects than anything. So like pulling doors open and close, uh, prop guys hidden in a cabinet and pulling pieces of string. 
breaking the plates by like having them pre-broken and pulling strings, like all kinds of things. He basically is like, it's the end result that matters. Doesn't matter how we got there. But he cites 2007's Paranormal Activity as his inspiration for how to do the effects for this film. Nice. Oh, okay. That's so good. Which yeah. I agreed. Because I'm like, that movie is textbook practical effects that are so effective. Yeah. And that's how they did a lot of the effects in this movie. Um, the character of Adrian's brother is unsettling. They actually specifically wanted to make it feel like nothing about him fits. So all of his suits are a couple sizes too small so that he looks uncomfortable the entire time and does yeah. not walk normally. Oh. Interesting. So he's never sitting comfortably because he's in clothes that are too small which is like a real weird thing to choose to do but it's very effective yeah it paid off because mikey and i both saw him as we watched it as someone who was internet from the jump mm -hmm. that only works if like he's already skinny because i feel like if i was in a suit yeah. that was too, sm <laughs> sizes too small they'd be like, in a little yeah, coat <laughs> you want to sign here and give me your baby <laughs> tommy lanky tommy want wingy oh his name is tom oh my god it okay. is oh wow <laughs> Wow. Oh, I do man. feel like Mikey is going to eventually be like, hey, sign here so I can have your baby. <laughs> I mean, but she won't be in. Well, will she be in jail? That is the question. <laughs> there is a question you need to ask yourself, Mikey. Look at Paige, Paige's face is like, I need this to wrap up now. So the house <laughs> interiors of Adrian's house are made up of four different houses to complete that one house. So the bedroom is actually a living room in a house in Sydney. And then the closets, the dining room, and the lab are all other different houses. To make sure that they were getting exact shots when they're working with a guy in a green suit, they used a robotic camera rig that could be programmed to shoot each take with the exact same timing and movement. Oh, that's cool. Yes, yeah. which would allow them to capture both the take with the stuntman and one take without him. And the editors could then merge the two shots and digitally erase him afterwards. But that's how they made sure that things were linked up. So that's what they did. That's amazing. And those are our fun facts. Well, thank you for those fun facts, Paige. Do you guys want to talk some box office? Yes. All right, sure. let's do it. So what do you think the production budget was for Invisible Man? I think this was pricey. I don't know, but I know this is the biggest film of 2020. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to put this easily around probably $30 million. I'm going to go half that at 15 that Okay, right. I would go half of that again. The production budget was $7 million for Shut this film. Shut the fuck up. This film looks no, amazing God. for $7 million. I know. This looks so good. Lee Winnell is a fucking wizard. What happened? What ha How did this happen? It happened because it's mainly practical effects, it seems like. There's not and much And it was CGI. made in Australia. Yeah. That's probably true, too. Yeah. So, But those flights are so expensive. <laughs> but this movie came out on February 28th, 2020. So very early last year. And this movie was number one in the box office the week it came out. So what do you think it made domestically its first weekend out? Well, this movie came out. And I really wanted to see it. But we were in lockdown literally a week later. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about that, too. Okay. I still think it made like 30 million. In its first weekend? What do you think it made, Paige? It was big. And I remember the few people that did get to see it before all of our shit closed were just like, it was fucking amazing. And that's why yeah. we ended up watching it at home. I think 30 million is probably fair. Yeah. All right. It made $28 million. It's opening Good weekend. Good job, 28.2. Yeah. So it did yes. very well. So it was number one, obviously. It beat Sonic the Hedgehog, The Call of the Wild, My Hero Academia, 
and Bad Boys for Life were your top five that weekend. Okay, so it was in theaters only two more weeks. Yeah. So it was only in theaters for three weeks. And the second weekend it was out, the March 6th weekend, it was second at the box office. That next weekend, the March 13th weekend, it was fourth at the box office. So it stayed very high at the box office, but again, it was only three weeks in that box office. So what do you guys think it made domestically while it was in theaters for those three weeks? 58. I'm going to say 80 because we paid to see it when we watched it at home. Oh, we're not, are we counting that? No, that would be under home market. We'll talk about that too, Paige. Yeah. What do you think it made in the box office? I, I think 50 is fair because people didn't okay. have a ton of time to see it. Okay. And by the time it was hitting that third week, lockdowns had already started. It had, yeah. So some places just like couldn't see it. It made $64.9 million in its first three weeks out. And really that's the only run it got. It yeah. made another $73 million internationally so this movie even though it was only in theaters for three weeks at least domestically i'm not sure about internationally but it still made 138.8 million dollars that's damn good but it's everyone loved good. this like it came out and everyone was like you gotta fucking see this movie yeah on a seven million dollar budget guys that's crazy that's like i said lee winnell is a wizard yeah, it went on to make another $12.2 million in the home market. So like yeah. DVD and Blu-ray sales, it did very well. This movie was a hit. It was yeah. only in theaters for three weeks, and it was a hit. Mm -hmm. But that's your box office, guys. Yeah. All right, you guys want to do Scary Scale? Sure. All right, Scary Scale, listeners, is the scale 1 to 10 of how scary we found the film when we watched it this time. Our one example is Ghostbusters. Our 10 example is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Let it is go, Paige. So the first time I saw this, I would have put it at like a seven or eight. The, today, I would give it like a four, but that's a four on a rewatch. And I thought for sure I was going to be like, yeah, this isn't going to be that scary. I've seen it before. And it was still scary. And I was just like, oh, God, I hope this never happens to me. So, yeah, I'm going to give it a four. Okay, Todd. Yeah, I'm going to give it a five. And I watched it during the day. And this is not really the scary that normally gets me. It's not really many jump scares. There's one. That really got me, but it's just so tense and it builds and builds and builds and it's just so, so good. It's, it's scary, but I do think you could watch it if you're like, if you don't like scary movies, I think it's worth watching. And I never thought I would say that about a movie because it is just so well done. I think I'm going to go with a four. Yeah. I was pretty scared. I mean, I, the, the jump scares got me, yeah. I, but I was like really invested. I love a good, like, suspenseful thriller. Yeah. But the jump scares were very effective, I thought. That latter scene scared the shit out of me. Yes. The suspenseful thriller moniker is very accurate. I do think it has more horror than a lot of suspenseful thrillers yeah. do, but man, it really is a suspenseful, like, horror type movie. It's very, very well done. So this week, you guys made me watch Invisible Man. What movie are we watching next week? Uh, so next week, we are going to be watching Danny Boyle's Sunshine. Oh, this Ooh. is sci-fi, right? Yes, we're kind of doing like a sci-fi month. Oh, theme bit, month. Where we had Invisible Man. We've got some other stuff planned this month where we're kind of trying to like sci-fi, like a touch of sci-fi. And I think Sunshine is one of the better sci-fi horrors in awesome. recent years and i'm super excited to inflict it upon you and then make you ponder <laughs> life's meaning afterwards awesome i do love sunshine yeah 
And it's got Chris Evans in it. This is one I have not seen, but we talked about doing it a long time ago, Mikey, I think. Mm-hmm. So I remember we talked about it. We've talked about yeah. it. Yeah. The science isn't super checking out, but the fiction. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nice. It's, the science is a little sketchy, but it does have Chris Evans and Killian Murphy. Ooh. Yes. And Chris Evans is hot enough to restart the sun. Yeah, dude. He's the Patrick <laughs> Wilson of the action movie world. It's great. <laughs> well, awesome. So, guys, your homework for next week is to watch Sunshine. And then debate whether you think Chris Evans or Killian Murphy could restart the sun. Spoiler alert, Todd. They're in a mission to restart the sun. Yeah, I picked <laughs> that up, Mikey. <laughs> Context clues, Mikey. <laughs> <laughs> All right, are you fuckers ready for a review? Yes. The famous uh, Miggy Mac. Miggy Mac. I love Miggy Mac. This to be read in the Macho Man Randy Savage <laughs> voice. <laughs> oh, yeah. I can't wait. The title is... Ooh, snap into horror virgin. Oh, man. Mickey <laughs> Mac, I'm so... Th- thank you so much. Oh Let my me just God, start my, with that. It's so long. I didn't see how long it was. Okay. God, my throat's going to hurt. <laughs> I've been listening to the podcast for over a year now. <laughs> and it's the best there is. Past, present, and future. <laughs> Does it really say that? Yes. <laughs> it's all written as a wrestling promo. Oh, I love it so much. Someone someone out there animate Mikey dressed as R- Macho Man <laughs> Randy Savage doing this review. Oh, I'd love it. From original co-host Clint, who some say had the biggest arms in all the world. <laughs> he didn't. <laughs> yeah, but those arms aren't chopped liver. To Jin, who was like the wrestler on the treadmill of life, who got on. <laughs> but the podcast... Kept going. Yeah, dude. The cream has <laughs> risen to the top. <laughs> Paige, Mikey, and Todd are like the Tower of Power. I'll take it. Too sweet to be sour. <laughs> oh my god, that's a good one. <laughs> oh yeah, I say the podcast is a million percent. Because that's better than 100%. Oh, yeah. That's just math, guys. That is just simple math. So much math. I don't math. know how to do that. <laughs> Anyone giving the Podstar a one-star review, I say it's enough to bring my bring me to my boiling point. <laughs> Snap it to a Slim Jim. <laughs> and binge the hard virgin. <laughs> Bow down to the kingdom of madness. Oh, yeah. P.S. Toby's secret is Mikey killed Clint. (laughs) And I'm sweating. Oh, Mikey, dude, I wish everyone could see the faces you make while you're doing these because they are amazing. Honestly, (laughs) I'm worried that you're going to blow a head vein. (laughs) Dude, when he pulls his arm back, like he's like flexing while he's doing it. It's so funny. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's like when I when uh, voice actors go and the animators watch what they're doing. It's like that, but stupid. <laughs> yeah. Well, Miggity Mac, thank you so much for that awesome review because that was amazing. So, guys, if you like this show but want to hear this power thruple on another movie review show about romance and romantic comedies, check out Romancing the Pod, where Mikey, Paige, and I break down and make fun of romantic movies. It's a lot of fun, guys. Check it out. If you want to follow us on social, please do. We are at Horror Virgin or online at HorrorVirgin.com. If you want to follow us all individually, you can do that as well. Paige is at Paige Wesley. 
on Twitter or Rampage Wesley everywhere else, including TikTok. Mikey is at mrandolph24, and I am at Todd J. Awesome. If you like the show so much and you want to help financially support it, please do by going to patreon.com slash horrorvirgin, where you can get a lot of great levels and a lot of great stuff, like bonus episodes, director's cut episodes, where they're a little bit longer and you get them actually a day earlier mm-hmm, than the regular mm-hmm. feed drop. We do a lot of great things, like listener requests and stuff like that. So guys, check out yeah. the Patreon and help support the show. If you want to financially support me, but not Todd, just look me up on Venmo. Or his OnlyFans, which really should just be called Only Feet <laughs> because that's what you get. But guys... <laughs> But it's just because I don't know how to work my camera phone. <laughs> he doesn't know how to hit the front-facing <laughs> camera button, so it's always just a picture of his feet. Anyway, guys, if you can't financially support the show, that's understandable, that's fine, but if you want to hang out with us on the daily, join the Facebook group uh, at facebook.com slash group slash virgin. We also link it like once a week, so just find it there and join the awesome Facebook group. We're closing in on 1,600 members. It's amazing. You guys are awesome. And literally, we're in there talking every day. It's awesome. This episode was brought to you by Ori. Ori and Ori really helped me out because like I thought like I was being haunted or just some crazy stuff was happening to me but I was telling all my friends and family about it no one would believe me but when I told Ori she totally believed me and she like helped me figure out what was going on so Ori I really appreciate it I really appreciate that you believe me when no one else would so thank you for being awesome and just a great wonderful person This episode also brought to you by Awesome Possum Blossom. And Awesome Possum Blossom wants me to share with you guys some awesome possum facts. And here's one for you. Even if possums aren't the cutest creatures in the forest, they should be a welcome addition to your backyard, ladies. Unlike other mammals that carry ticks and therefore spread Lyme disease, possums gobble up 90% of the ticks that attach to them. According to the National Wildlife Federation, a single possum consumes 5,000 of the parasites per tick season. A single possum does. So this means more possums in your area, the fewer ticks you'll encounter, and less chance of getting Lyme disease. Well, sounds like me during McRib season. (laughs) (laughs) Do you consume 5,000 McRibs a season? I mean, I get it. Those things are good. It's a limited time only, Paige. You don't it is know. a limited time. I've heard people say that the best strategy for your last meal on death row is to ask for a McRib and a shamrock shake because you can never get them at the same time. Um, <laughs> if you've got ticks and you want to sell them to possums to eat. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, Paige, you're right, though. Reach out to Brandon's bug business. On Facebook. It's actually called Bug Cage Company on Facebook. They can get you all of your bug needs, including tarantulas, spiders, scorpions, centipedes, millipedes, and other apede needs. So if you're looking to, you know, feed your possum, maybe get some bugs. I don't know. Do they eat all bugs or just ticks? I I don't know. I haven't got that far into possum fun facts. Maybe we'll find out next week. But thank you, Brandon, for supporting the show as well. We now return you to another episode of... The, the Patreonicals. Patreonicals. Okay, well, welcome back, everyone. Yes. <laughs> when we last left off, Amy, the astronaut in the International Space Station. So uh, a UFO comes, a traditional flying saucer. Yeah. They answered Karun's call. And Amy was like, holy shit. But I guess Karun is blue. So and he told me he's an alien. So I guess this makes sense. Yeah, this all checks out, right? Yeah, they all get in the flying saucer. And uh, so Isaac, Evil, Matthew, Karun, and Amy, who was like, I've been stuck on the ISS because of the end of the world, so I'm just going to go with y'all because I don't have a lot of options. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that makes 
makes sense. I mean, he's probably going to die on the ISS if he stays there. Yeah. They don't have indefinite food and stuff. They've only got frozen ice cream. They can't even have an ice cream <laughs> social. You can't live forever on Dippin' Dots. I could try. Oh, oh, yeah, I'll do my best. <laughs> they have the banana split flavor, and it just, like, all those flavors answer all your needs. I like the cookies and cream flavor because it's got the little Dippin' Dots circles, but then it's also got Oreo bits. God, I want Dippin' Dots right now. <laughs> Guys, when we get a P.O. box, send us some Dippin' Dots. Anyway, they get the flying saucer, and, like, the aliens were like, Karun, we, you know, you're kind of washed up. You were, like, a reality TV show host. You weren't very nice in your personal life. Yeah, and famously on Earth, once you're a reality TV show host, you can never do anything productive again. Like, you could never, I don't know, get another reality TV show or perhaps run the country. Yeah, that would never happen. No, but this is, like, it's three times as worse in space. Like, people really don't like <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Also, Karun had like a really bad breakup with a uh, gelatin from Planet Seventeen. <laughs> and wow! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what flavor? <laughs> strawberry. <laughs> that sounds like something strawberry would do. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it made Karun be out the really bad guy. Was in all of the space papers. And anyway, so the, the space the, papers. The and so, anyway, Isaac and Evil Matthew were like, you know what would be super funny? And they're like, what, Isaac or Evil Matthew, whoever's talking at this point? And they're like, dude, <laughs> could you abduct the only other people we really talk to on Earth <laughs> real quick? And they're like, that would be hilarious. So we'll do that. So the big giant helicopter's coming, and then a bright light happens. They all get abducted uh, into the UFO, which would be Eddie and Kate and Tristam, Sasha. And Amy, who I was in space, but I forgot. Amy and Dylan, switch your names in this story. I mixed you guys up. I apologize. Amy's in space. She's the astronaut. Dylan gets abducted. He's the pilot. I messed up. Do you guys? I just I messed I messed their story up. Okay, it's fine. Amy, you're the astronaut. Yeah, Mikey, I'll just fix it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Anyway, everybody's like, "What the hell?" And then so like there's a fight because uh, they're scared. So Kate. Slams Isaac against the wall. Tristam and Eddie fight evil Matthew and hold him down. And Dylan slaps Karun and Karun cries. And, <laughs> and, hey, if Karun's blue, what color are his tears? They're also blue. Oh. <laughs> so you just can't see him cry? Right, exactly. That's so sad. It. I know. It's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> anyway... So with all these shenanigans going on, the aliens in the UFO were like, Karun, this is ridiculous. We hate your show, your old show. We're glad you got canceled. You're a terrible person for what you did to Strawberry. Enough of this. So they drop everybody off <laughs> back on Earth. So wait, they did all of that to get to space. And then they picked up the crew that was just like on vacation and then they yeah. got dropped. Everyone got dropped back off on Earth. Yeah, actually, back they got <laughs> back, they got dropped off. Eddie was like, "Drop us off here." They all get dropped off in the ruins of Dinotopia. Oh wow, Mabletopia. Yeah, there you go. Because that's a place that existed in this universe. <laughs> it was. I know Mabletopia. Yes, Dinotopia. No, the leftover koalas, the survivor uh, survival bears. Yeah, they uh, come up to Eddie and they have like this really touching moment it's off screen <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> oh my god Whew. anyway that's uh that's what happens this week 
what adventures lay ahead for our heroes, even though they seem to be back where they started? How long can someone survive on Dippin' Dots alone? Does Planet 17 have other intelligent life than gelatins and are flavors like their race? Find out next week on another episode of The, the Patreonicals. That's going to be it for us, you guys. I'm Paige. I'm Mikey. And I'm your horror virgin Todd, guys. Keep it ooky spooky. Yeah. Have an amazing week and stay safe. Bye. Invisible nerds. <laughs> when I got the COVID vaccine, is the first time a woman's touched me in nine months. Oh, Mikey. That's not true. You made out with your neighbor. <laughs>